0: It is November 18th, 2022, and welcome to episode 152 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. So in the last few weeks, we've seen a continuous step up in the rate of North Korean missile drills and rhetoric. Just yesterday, they tested a ballistic missile and warned the United States of fiercer military counteraction in response to U.S. efforts to extend deterrence to regional allies like South Korea and Japan. yesterday's statement from the state-run North Korean Central News Agency quoted the foreign ministers referring to the U.S. approach as a gamble, which we will certainly regret, and saying that the North Koreans will act in response to the U.S.'s expanded force presence in the region by undertaking proportional responses. These statements of the missile launch, like prior activities, seemed aimed at responding to what the North Koreans perceive as threats, including the recent trilateral talks between the U.S., South Korea, and Japan, the ASEAN summit and the more to the extensive military exercises that have taken place over the last few weeks and months. During those talks, President Biden reaffirmed the U.S. commitment to reinforcing extended deterrence and to defend South Korea and Japan with, quote, a full range of capabilities, presumably including nuclear weapons. So we've seen a lot of go back and forth. We've seen uh, U.S. and allied drills that have been more extensive. We used an aircraft carrier recently, a B-1 capable nuclear bomber, F-35 jets, more than 200 jets during the Vigilant storm exercises uh, just recently. And North Korea, for its part, has launched about over 40, 40 ballistic missiles, including developmental ICBMs, um, and has conducted four times more missile tests this year alone than it did all of last year. So obviously a concern. The U.S. continues to struggle with what to do about the North Korean situation, what to do about the problem of them having nuclear weapons, about their consistent missile tests uh, and the like. Um, obviously, this is a huge issue for the United States and for the, for American people because we now know that the North Koreans have ballistic missile capabilities that can at least reach reach the West Coast, perhaps even reach uh, the East Coast. And we believe that they have enough fissile material that is nuclear material to make up to 40 to 60 nuclear weapons. So, Jessica, what do we do about the North Korean nuclear problem?
1: Uh, We like to joke here at lines. We have all the answers. So, let's see if we can solve this in the next eight minutes. Um, You know, I think it's, as you point out, Jamil, we're seeing more missile tests this year than ever before from North Korea, right? And so we really do have to wonder as a U.S. policy of, you know, focusing only on denuclearization to to the to stoppage of everything else is that working um is, is this you know is there a sustainable future with more missile tests next year and so I think there are some you know credible reasons why we have to look at maybe starting to acknowledge North Korea as a nuclear state and at least be at some kind of dis- which brings at least us and North Koreans to a, a discussion table right what are what are some of the other d- topics that we can talk about and also if we acknowledge them as a nuclear state there's the acknowledgement that we have a shared desire to survive in this world and that, you know, mature, uh, mutual assured destruction, we, we don't want to launch a nuclear war, right? So I think there's reasons to want to be at a table um, talking to the North Koreans.
2: So I want to go ahead and disagree with Jones on this one. And uh, I think our best response to these daily provocations from Pyongyang is to ignore them. Uh, And I'm not saying that it's not an issue that North Korea has missiles and it has the capability to make nuclear weapons, although they've had both of those capabilities for many years. Uh, What North Korea is trying to do with these missile launches and other provocative acts uh, that it's engaged in recently is get attention and throw us off our game they are upset that the us is engaged in military exercises with South Korea and with Japan they don't like the fact that we are able to bring those two countries which don't have uh, a natural alliance normally uh, to be in accord with us that is a that is perceived as a huge threat by the North Koreans we have uh, American troops in harm's way. In South Korea and Japan, as a way to thwart any uh, anything really bad from happening from North Korea, and I think we should just remain steadfast in that, and we shouldn't we shouldn't react on a daily basis to these things that the North Koreans are doing. What they're trying to do is goad us into doing or saying something that takes us away from our main focus.
1: I guess my you know my take on that is okay then. What's the future look like? If the only thing that – what U.S. policy has gotten us so far, I guess, is not nuclear war. We don't have missiles coming towards the U.S. It, they, I, I, wh- what does success look like in the future if we just hold steadfast?
0: I mean, this is exactly the problem with, with, with lessons policy. It's, it's, simply, it's simply just sit there, do nothing, um, and, and it'll all work out. But, of course, it hasn't worked out, right? Over the last, over the last 15, 20 years of American policy on North Korea – We've failed. They've got nuclear weapons. They've got more nuclear weapons. They've built ballistic missiles able to reach the United States and now reach the East Coast. Our current policy has been a failure. But, but Jess, I think your answer is also the wrong one because your, your answer is just go back to the agreed framework, try to get them to limit their, limit their capabilities, slowly work it down. Eventually get to the point where they might get rid of their nuclear weapons, which of course they won't because it's the heart of the regime's survival is having nuclear weapons. So they're never gonna get rid of their nuclear weapons. That's a pipe dream too. But they like accept it and negotiate or the ignore it and do nothing. Neither of those is a sustainable policy. That's just crazy. I think we've got to get really tough on China. And we've got to put the pressure on China to be held accountable for what they're doing, right? And really and really pressurize them. I think that means I think that means extreme sanctions on China. Every time North Korea does something, we don't do anything to North Korea. We do everything to China. Because at this point, we've run the tables on, on North Korea sanctions. It's not how to put the pressure on China.
1: I'd like to point out, though, I don't disagree with that, that there needs to be pressure put on China. But American lives are at stake. So as much as I would love to export their security to China and China's reaction and shaming them, I don't think we can do that. I don't think we can sacrifice that. And Les is going to disagree again. Come on, Les.
2: No, actually, Jones, I think we're, we're getting closer to agreement. Uh, and, I, and I do like some of what Jamil said. First of all, I'm not saying do nothing. I'm just saying don't react to their silly daily provocations. We actually have a very good policy to contain North Korea. Right now, it is successful. And my point is, let's not lose any of that. I do think we can put more pressure on China. I think massive sanctions are unrealistic. We've already got a whole slew of sanctions on China for very specific things. Some of those are very sensible, and we should keep doing them. The idea that we're going to have a blanket... Sanction on the Chinese economy and really change their behavior is a little crazy. Our economy is too tied, too tied into China's, just not realistic to think we could do that. What we can do, which doesn't cost us anything and is something we should be doing anyway, and we have a very good State Department filled with incredibly capable diplomats, let's change the public narrative. Every time Pyongyang does something provocative, let's make sure it's Beijing that has to answer for what they're doing, not us. Let's at least flip the storyline so that. Everyone will see that China, which you know, gives sucker to North Korea, is trading with them, gives them relief from sanctions and all of these other things, is held responsible for their behavior, at least rhetorically and
0: by other actors in the region and around the world. Listen, I'm all for, I'm all for, for calling out China on its, on its responsibility for North Korea. But if that, if that rhetoric isn't backed up by actual action and pressure and pain, it doesn't matter. Unless you, you know better than anybody that just diplomacy standing on its own and being mean to people, writing mean, mean letters, writing mean messages and saying mean things on TV doesn't work unless you're ready to back it up. And I'm not saying sanction the entire Chinese economy. I'm saying every time North Korea does anything, We hit China. We hit China in places where it hurts, and we make it painful for them. That's the only solution to this problem. Sticking our heads in the sand is not an answer, nor is negotiating with people who are never going to give up their nuclear weapons.
1: And I hate to point out, less. I mean, there is one global leader and that's the United States. I don't think it's possible to change the narrative that this is anytime something goes wrong with North Korea, anytime there's a provocation, the world's going to look to China to hold the, the principal ground. Like, I just I don't see that as the future. It's going to be the United States, no matter how dedicated the State Department is to trying to change that narrative.
2: Well, all right. Let me let me just quickly react. Jamil, massive sanctions on China are totally unrealistic. It is never going to happen. Uh, let's try public diplomacy. Let us let us give it a shot. We have we spend 20 billion dollars on the State Department every year. Very capable people. Some some of the smartest Americans you'll meet work for the State Department. Let's have them tackle the problem without it uh, risking our economic future and without putting any more Americans in harm's way. Let's let's
0: use diplomacy to thwart these ridiculous threats from Pyongyang. And that's a wrap. Thanks to Gabriel Otis from NSI and Claude Jennings for the help producing today's episode. Join us again this upcoming Monday for the next installment of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America. And remember, next week we will only have two episodes as we take a few days off to give thanks for the blessings of freedom that we all enjoy.